0: Welcome, everybody, to He's Not Done Yet. We are so delighted that you've tuned in today. You know, He's Not Done Yet is a radio ministry uh, that goes out every Sunday at 10 a.m. to 11 on Victory Radio Station on 100.9, 95.3, and 15.30 a.m. And then also it goes out on Tuesday... Uh, it's 6 p.m. on 99.5 it's called Faith Talk and then it's uh back uh, replayed on Sunday morning at 8 a.m. so we would just love for you to tune in and and uh, we also are on YouTube and Spotify and all the other um, you know media outlets and we'd love for you to tune in go to he's not done yet.com he's not done yet.com feel free to email me Uh, as well as uh, text me. You can reach me at 501-339-8017, 501-339-8017. And also, we want to invite you to the First Pentecostal Church at 1401 Calvary Road right here in beautiful North Little Rock, Arkansas. We have church on Sunday morning at 10.30 We're, uh, back at 7 p.m. on Sunday. You know, a lot of people, you know, y'all pretty well just doing a morning service. Hey, you can still, uh, go to church on Sunday night at the First Pentecostal Church. I know when you drive by and they call it the big church, but it's the First Pentecostal Church, and we want you to come, and, uh, we also, our midweek service is on Tuesday at 7 p.m. We would love for you to come, and, uh. We just uh, want to invite you out to the house of the Lord. Today's scripture comes from 1 Peter 5 and 10. But the God of all grace who had called us into his internal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, established, strengthened, settled you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We praise you today, God. We just pray that this would fall on good ground today, God. We honor you. We are so thankful, Lord, that you'd be here, Lord, and we thank you for it, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Well, don't touch that dial. I'm telling you, after the music, you're going to be blessed. We have a special guest today, and uh, we want you to stay there and uh, don't touch that dial. I not
1: be discouraged even when I'm discouraged my soul of all you've done before. I won't be distracted, even in the distractions. I will trust the one who is greater than the storm. I will trust the one who is greater than the storm. shape
0: Today is a very special day. I've got a really somebody I've gotten to know really over the last two or three months a lot more uh, a close friend of mine. He is actually uh, in the ministry. Um, he sings. Uh, he's in the choir. He's you know also in the ministry. He's, he's a man of God. He he preaches out, and uh, we are just so honored that you're here today, Brother Tally, and we love you. We. Are honored you're here today and uh, we just want you to come in and obey the Holy
2: Ghost brother yes sir appreciate the invite well I'm definitely uh, thankful for the Lord's grace and mercy um, you know as I was kind of you know uh, thinking about what you know what I was gonna speak on I'll I'll dive more into it uh, I, I did feel a direction that the Lord wanted me to go uh, something very simple Um uh, and it's just my testimony. Um, I know on the on this podcast, radio station, you hear a lot of testimonies, but I feel like testimonies are the most powerful thing yeah. that uh, man can can hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the goodness and the grace of God. You know, and if, if 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 I can, you know, direct attention to a simple verse of scripture. It is uh Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10. You know, the Bible says, "Fear thou not." for I am with thee, be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Um, you know, like I said, you know, I'm going to just dive into my testimony, uh, won't keep a lot of time, but I do feel like there's something special when when people talk about their testimony, talk about what God's done in their life. And I feel like I tell this to everybody, I've even told to our pastor, you know, I'm one of the most spoiled children of God that's out there for what the Lord's done in my life. Um, You know, and as I was kind of thinking about what I would say, uh, you know, speak, some can say minister, um, I did, you know, I was kind of toiling with myself whether I wanted to go the testimony route. There's been a lot of amazing men come on, you know, across here that's, and women who have talked about their testimony and you've had some even my best friends have came up here and they've actually got up here and they've preached and they've you know they they've they've exhorted. and I was kind of messing around you know in my own head what what would I, what do I want to do and you know I didn't really want to get be the same old same old that comes on here and you know it, God convicted me he pricked my heart and you know told me you know is your is is the testimony I gave you not strong enough and and, and worth speaking about? And I'm, like, yes, sir, yes, Lord, it is, um, you know, and so as I was praying about the direction I wanted the Lord to, you know, give me, I I've you know in in, in just the most audible voice that I I could hear, you know, I felt the Holy Ghost tell me to speak about. You know, and if I had a title, this would be, I am not done yet. And it's funny because we're on the podcast, he's not done yet. But that's what I felt, you know, I'm not done yet. Um, you know, in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, the Bible says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. And that was a scripture that kind of hit me when I was, you know, thinking about testimonies. You know, what does the Lord really feel about a testimony? And, the, you know, in that verse, you know, the Bible says, you know, that how they overcame was by the word of their testimony. Um, and as I was thinking, you know, and I know me and you had kind of talked to church last night, and I mentioned this to you, and it was really on my mind, and it was about what the devil does to try to erase history. Um, the devil does everything that he can to make you forget about where you came from. If the children of Israel would have never forgotten about the slavery that they endured and going in the miracle of God splitting the Red Sea and walking on dry ground, you know, they they would have been able to get to where they needed to go. And they didn't. They they forgot about what the Lord had brought them from. And I feel like the ultimate goal that the devil has is to forget where the Lord brought you from and you see it nowadays in public schools, you know, they are trying to erase history. You know, we don't want to talk about this because it could be offend people, or you know, we, we don't, you know, we want to talk about the now, you know, but it, it it goes to show if you forget about history and you never learn about it, you're gonna repeat it. And the devil wants you to forget about where he brought you from so that you can fall right back into that same trap that he had you and how he how he had you bound. Back then, that's what I want to talk about. You know, the Bible actually talks about not forgetting about history. And I, w- I was very shocked. I was reading through it. The KJV version says, The thing that hath been is it that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun. And I, I what I like to do when I'm studying the Word of God, I like to look at other versions, other, you know, translations. The Amplified says it like this, That which has been is that which will be. And it's talking about will be again. And that which has been done is that which will be done again. So there is nothing new under the sun. Basically saying history repeats itself. The NLT version says, history merely repeats itself. It has all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. And as I was kind of going into it and I was going to talk about my testimony, it really hit me about history and how, again, the devil wants to erase it. And as I was praying, I feel like I've got the best testimony out there. And I'm going to start from the beginning and work my way through because I feel like there's someone that's going to listen to this that feels like they're in the trial of their life and they feel like everything is falling, the, you know, the house is caving in on them. And they don't know which direction to go. And I've been in that place many of times. And I have to look back on my own testimony. And even in trials that I'm in right now, which I will dive into, uh, you know, starting off, you know, my grandfather was an apostolic pastor. My mother was actually raised in this truth. She was born on the evangelist field. They would go out, they would hear my grandfather preach, and he was a to-the-bone, hardcore apostolic. Um, you know, and growing up, I didn't know much about it. Uh, my my mother, when her and my father got married, they decided it wasn't for them. So they decided to walk away from, from the Lord. And they, they really, they didn't keep me from church, but they didn't talk about it. They didn't talk about, you know, the things that the Lord has done for them. They didn't talk about, you know, why they got out of church. It just kind of kept that off to the side. And, you know, when my parents backslid, that's when we really saw a lot of things start falling you know, falling through. We had these, you know, mountains, and then we would fall into the valleys. We'd be able to come back out, think everything's going good. And it was just the Lord's mercy that we would get onto mountaintops. And it's his grace that he puts us into the valleys. And, you know, I knew absolutely nothing about Pentecost. I, my entire life, I thought there were two religions. There was a Baptist and Catholic. And I knew... Nothing to the point, I, I love testing, telling this story. You know, my grandfather, He is. he's long gone. He passed away two years ago in April. And I love telling this story, um, not in any way of, you know, I think he would laugh at it now, but I was so ignorant of, you know, just everything, music, and, you know, what the apostolic Pentecostal uh, believe truly believed. And I remember I was young, I uh, pulled out my laptop, and I was at my grandfather's house, and I said, Papa, my mom told me that you thought this might be a bad song. I just want to see what you have to say of it. And I remember opening up that laptop, and back then there was, uh, I believe it was MySpace. I'm kind of the old Facebook. I believe it was MySpace. but uh, So then I pressed play on a song called Apple Bottom Jeans, and uh, he he real quick he he slammed that laptop shut, and you know hey I will I don't want that music in this house and you know looking back at it I'm, I kind of start connecting the dots of what he's talking about because there's so many spirits and different types of music that you listen to, and at the time I just I really didn't know, and you know we go we go on through our life. Um, You know, i raised in public school. I don't go to my grandfather's church very often. I I do sometimes whenever they come pick me up. And we go through life, and my dad owned uh, multiple companies at the time, tree service, stump grinding, lawn care. And my dad was good at what he did. But because he was so good at what he did, he had a lot of enemies, a lot of people that were out to get him. And I remember specifically laying in bed one night and hearing a bunch of noise outside and my dad running outside. And I look out the window to see the bucket truck going down our front yard through the woods, about 300 yards into the woods. Someone had come, taken out the blocks from underneath the tire, broke into it, put it in neutral, and then pushed it down the hill. Totaled the bucket truck. I mean, it was gone. And life got hard really fast. The more we kept running away from God, the more storms we were running into. And we got to a place where we had to file bankruptcy. I was about 13 at the time. My brother had just been born. It was a a hard time in our lives. And I remember pulling up to the house as my mom had packed up the Suburban and the bank had just pulled that bucket truck that was 300 yards into the woods. They had pulled that bucket truck out and was gonna and took it to repossess it so that they could pay off, start paying off what we owed the bank. And at the time, we thought, you know, everything was just, you know, falling apart. Our lives, you know, we were very well known in that area, and now everybody's, you know, they know what's going on. Small town, three thousand people, small town, everybody talks, and we we had to leave that small town and make our way to Little Rock with no direction. My mom had gotten a job offer. My dad had no job. And it was, you know, looking back, it's the Lord guiding us. And I remember going, uh, we were on I-40 going going west, and we were coming around, you know, that big curve. As it, you know, you go past, you know, uh, Warden, Texas Roadhouse. You go up that big curve, and then you pass the church. We are going around that big curve. I could take you to the place. And I was asleep. It was just my mom to my left. She was driving my little brother. He might have been three months old at the time. And I was sleeping, and I heard something say something while I was in dead sleep, saying, This is the way, walk ye in it. And I woke up, and I remember looking at my mom, and I asked her, You know, what'd you say? She said, I didn't say nothing. You were asleep. And I turned around on my little three month old brother, thinking maybe he was the one that said it. And sure enough, as I turn around uh, from looking at my little brother in the back seat, here we come back past the church. Now, given I still don't know what Pentecost is, I have no idea, and I don't know what FPC stands for. I don't know anything, and all I do is I see, look at my mom, and I say, "That is a gorgeous church. It's big. I want to go to it." You know, thirteen-year-old, never been in church in your life, and a beautiful building. I want to go. Mom, having the experience that she had was, you know, maybe, maybe we might go. Over the next probably four months, I bug my parents to let us go. Bug them. I want to see that church again. I want to go inside, you know, all this fun stuff. And so they, they came in and they, they decided we're going to go. And it was, you know, it was an experience like I've, I've never had, you know, walking into a church and, you know, having there's, you know. Hundreds, if not the time that you know, a couple thousand people that show up, and everybody was nice. Everybody shaking your hands, and you know, wanting to speak with you, and it was unlike something I've never had because I was always an introvert, and I had a few friends in public school, but I didn't really have a lot. And so, after service, we were walking around, and Sister Lou Carter was showing us around. Um, sweet lady, I. I, I I am fully, always, I'm indebted with four, uh, with them. Sister Carter, we're walking through the cafe at the time, and it they, they didn't have the chapel, so you had the windows to your right, and cafe was to your left, and me, my mom, and my dad were walking. And Sister Lou stopped, and she looked at me, and she said, Wesley, she said, I just feel I need to tell you something. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, this is the way walk ye in it, and Woo. I'm talking chill bumps down my arms, and I still didn't know how she knew, you know, anything, and I still never connect, didn't connect the dots because I didn't know. Yeah. I'm just like, man, that's a coincidence, mom. You know, I told I ended up telling her years down the road. I told her because uh, I didn't know what that was. That was the craziest thing that I've ever I ever heard, and so I held on to that. And I didn't know anything about prayer. I didn't know anything about the word of God. I didn't know, you know, know anything. I knew it'd be cool to preach one day because my grandfather was a preacher. And, you know, I'm like, man, that'd be awesome for me to preach one day and, you know, be a minister. And so I started getting involved in church and I started, you know, going to my pastor and saying, pastor, what what can I do to help you? You know, there's so much to do. I want I want to be involved. Um, And I started doing... You know everything that I possibly could from the I Am Easter drama that we do, Christmas concert I got involved in uh, running the sound on the platform, uh, getting involved in praise and worship. Uh, I, I there for a little while. I did pastor's landscaping at his house. Uh, looking back, I don't know how good it was, but he he I told him I was willing to do it. I didn't want to be paid, and he let me do it. Um, some of the best times I have, you know, camp meeting coming around, staying up till two in the morning, throwing mulch in his flower beds and trimming his hedges, and knowing that, you know, I, I'm, I'm about three houses down from Pastor at this time, and uh, being able to do the work, text him, let him know I was done, and then my goal was to be gone free he walked out that door because I didn't, I did not want him to try to pay me. Right. I just, I had that burden, you know. I want to do something for Pastor. I want to do something for Bishop. I want to do something for the church um, you know, I was involved in as much as I could be, be involved. And, um, you know, I was even a part of, you know, hanging the lights in the catwalks, you know, in the sanctuary. And at the time I'm like, man, that's a big deal. I love that. You know, they, uh, show me where that secret entrance is to the catwalks and being able to go up and have a funny story that I had, um, Pastor, I don't remember, I think Bishop has been gone for a while and he was coming back, so Pastor had asked me and one of my friends to go hook up not only lights, but hook up confetti cannons at the top of the catwalk. Well, we're only about an hour, hour, two hours away from church starting, and so I'm dressed up, I'm in my suit and everything else, and here you go climbing up a probably 100-foot ladder and crawling through catwalks, and end result was I couldn't go to service. My suit was, it was toasted. Uh, but it was worth it. It was, you know, it's it's and it's an experience that I always like look back at and say, you know, anything I can do for the kingdom, if even if it's a suit, anything I can do for the kingdom is is worth it. Um, you know, I was I was involved. I was doing everything that I could. Somewhat still knew about church. I um, was still learning, learning how to pray, learning how to read my read the word, and then I got involved into um, Apostolic School of Theology. Uh, learning about different, you know, different things. And I'm going somewhere with, with all of this. Um, you know, I was learning about this apostolic belief. You know, I, I've always said it. Pentecost is not, a, is not a religion. It's an experience. You know, you can't believe and be Pentecostal. You have to experience what we experience to be Pentecostal. And the experience that you have is unlike anything else. You know, any anything else when you know going to a different church or, you know, whatever the case may be. It's just it's so different. And I once I experienced Pentecost for what Pentecost was. I there was nothing else for me. You know, th- this was it. And so I dove into Apostolic, Apostolic School of Theology, finished the courses, and ended up being able to go to, a, uh, to Honduras, Rotan, Honduras, to do a mission trip. And there I'm talking about, we were able to see miracles. I watched a guy who had, uh, I'm going to call it a withered hand, and it came out and he was able to use it. I saw a guy who was in a wheelchair being able to stand. I've seen things that you don't normally see. And it was amazing, you know, especially for a young person being in church for about four years. It was, it was an amazing sight to see. And it got to the place to where, you know, I accepted the call of God on my life. And I realized, I said, Lord, you, you, I've seen a lot of things, but you're real. You know, I've seen people get out of wheelchairs. I've seen withered hands. I've seen, you know, different tumors being healed. I've seen amazing things in my life. And I said, God, I want to be a part of this. This is something I want to be a part of, you know, whatever the smallest little thing, even if it's just holding a door open at church, let me be a part of whatever you have going on. And I felt the Lord start directing me not only in, in into ministry, but business. And this is where I'm really going to dive into a lot of trials that I had since the bankruptcy. Because you don't really notice a lot of trials you go into when, until you're out on your own. And, you know, my parents ran into trials that I never... You know, I never really understood. They didn't talk much about it. But whenever I, you know, I got into business, I moved out of my parents' house. That's when I really started seeing trials. And I got into business um, with, with an insurance company and worked for, worked for an agent here, ended up moving and working for an agent here. You know, everything was going good. I got into a relationship. I felt like the Lord was guiding me in this direction to get married to this girl. And there were a lot of things that happened um you know i, I won't die, i won't dive into it but you know i went to pastor one day we were one month away from getting married i had um done i had bought the wedding dress for uh shoes uh, I, everything was ready we were one month we were about 30 days away from getting married and i go into pastor's office and um good con- for had to have a good conversation it's uh, April 9th. I don't recall the year off the top of my head, but April 9th and the reason I remember that is cuz that's my birthday. And so I go in there on my birthday to talk to pastor about, "Hey, we're getting married in a month. What else do we need to do? You know, be prepared." And me and Pastor's having a good conversation and pastor he starts crying and he starts speaking in tongues. And he looks at me and he and, you know, he slams his fist on the table and he says, "Wesley, God is trying to put stop signs in front of you, and you are walking walking around these stop signs. And it blew me away. I mean, we were having a fantastic conversation. And then all of a sudden, a bomb dropped, dropped in that place, and you could just, everything just, it went silent. It was just the Holy Ghost had filled that room. And I kind of started sitting there, and he said, Wesley, I'm going to tell you this. He said, I'm your pastor. He said, I love you. And he said, what I want you to do, I want you to walk out of here. He said, I want you to call that girl. He said, I want you to end everything. He said, you know, stop communication. You just ended. God is trying to stop this, and you are going around. You are running into this trial because you are running away from what God wants to do. And I made it in my mind about five years earlier, I had said anything that my man of God says, I'm going to do anything. I don't care what it is. You know, brother Rick Johnson actually said something. I don't think I've ever told him this. Maybe one day he'll, he'll watch this. And maybe even remember when he said this, he, he, he told a group of us, he said, you know, I don't care if my pastor says that the sky is green. He said, he says the sky is green. He said, the sky is green. I will always listen to what my man of God says and that always stuck with me and will always stick with me and so on my birthday he he my pat man of god said you you need to stop doing what you're doing you need to end this relationship cuz it's not of god and i said i said yes sir so i walk out of there and you know being honest i felt defeated you know i was we me and this girl been been together for over for a year and a half and we're a month away from getting married, and every 20-year-old's dream is, you know, getting married, you know, at some point in time. And so I do what my, my man of God tells me without question. I've never questioned his authority. And I uh, I call her. I end things. And I turn around, and I call a brother in the church who at the time did landscaping because I need to get my mind off. said, man, just let me come to work. I don't need to get paid. Just let me come do what you're doing. And um, it was it was it was a hard time in my life. Um, I, uh, you know, I went, I worked, I, I did what I could to get my mind off of things. And, you know, going forward, you know, I got out of that relationship. I knew, and you know, it doesn't make sense to me, but the Lord's going to work. It was the hardest thing I've ever done as a 20 year old. And I kept working, kept my head down. I got into another relationship. um, You know, and I'm like, you know, maybe this is God pulling me out of it. Exactly a year later, from the day that that my pastor told me to end things with her, April 9th, the April 9th of the following year, I signed a contract with this company to own my own insurance agency and be the youngest shelter agent in the history of the company. And... I look back at it. Was was it a coincidence? You know, if I wouldn't have listened to my man of God, would I have signed that contract exactly twelve months later to the day? I don't believe so. And I set, you know, I, I set my mind for it. I will always listen to man of God. And every every day, I will remind I remind myself whatever my man of God says, I'll do it. Whether it comes across a pulpit, it comes from a text message, I'll do it. And you know, we go on and that relationship falls through and I thought the previous relationship was bad. This one was, it was rough. Um, It was to a point my pastor was calling me, checking up on me and everything else. And I I promise I'm still going somewhere with this. It was the biggest trial of my life at that time. And, you know, it was to the point of, you know, I just didn't care about anything. I didn't want to go to church. I didn't want to do anything because why would God do this to me? And, you know, uh, my bishop called me. So, mind you, pastor's the one that you know helped me on that first relationship. Well, now bishop calls me, and he says, "Brother Tally, are you to the point you can lock up your office and you can come pray with me for a little bit?" I said, "Bishop, I will always do what you want me to do." And so I locked up the I locked up the office and um, left, and I went and prayed with prayed with bishop. We were walking around the front. And he was crying. We were, we were praying. We were speaking in tongues, and he sat me down, and you know, he said, "Brother," he said, "What you you know? What do you think about this sister, Samantha Moss, I said, Bishop? I mean, we were in the same class together. Hated each other's guts. <laughs> we we couldn't stand each other in school." He said, "Brother," he said, "I think you need to, you need to reach out to her. Maybe you two go out and eat some lunch." And I said, Bishop, you know, I, I might. And Bishop does what Bishop does. He pulls out his phone, opens it up, and he scrolls down and he scrolls to her name, and he hands me his phone. He said, "You just call her from my phone. She'll answer if it's my phone. If it's my number popping up." And uh, you know, die. You know, keep. You know, keep going forward. Me and my me and, well, she is my wife now. We start dating. Doors start opening, and it, you know, it was. What I've been praying for, you know, I want my pastor, my bishop to lead me to who I need to marry. Um, And there's a lot more to that story, but I'm, you know, pressed for time. I want to keep going through, you know, moving on through my testimony, through my life. You know, me and my wife get married. I realize, you know, this is not where the the Lord's sent me out preaching. The Lord has been doing this and that. And I just I couldn't be tied down to a place. I started talking to my bishop about, you know, the direction I needed to go, and it was to leave the agency I was in now and go independent, and that'd give me a little bit more freedom to be able to do what I'm what I'm needing to do. So I leave this insurance company and I come over here to an independent agency, building the book up. You know, I begin I begin preaching. I'm you know getting called to go out to evangelize and you know finally being able to move forward with the call of God in my life. And, you know, a different door opens up for me to leave insurance and go into marketing. And, you know, I, I seek my man of God for direction. And he says, you know, I think, I think this is something you need to do. You know, you go and do it. We go into it, think Lord is blessing, Lord is doing amazing things. And... Um, it goes into what, you know, even what, I'm, what we're dealing with today and what would be, what could be considered a trial of a lifetime. And I've been through a lot of trials in my life, and this is something that is probably the most confusing, most questionable event that has ever taken place in my life. You know, part, being part of a company that is driven by the vision of God, the vision is to get the church to, you know, across the freeway. The vision is to see revival in First Pentecostal Church of North Little Rock. And this company that, you know, I, I helped build, you know, we we'd see amazing things happen. We get prophesied over. We get, uh, there are sermons preached about it. Just amazing things have happened. And it's like all at once, the rug gets pulled out from underneath the company and it gets, we had amazing people that we had to let go of, and it created the most questionable time of my life on where is the Lord trying to direct my path, and I'm seeing people get hurt. I'm seeing good people just, you know, let go from a good opportunity, and, you know, hurts my heart. You know, I'm a people's person. I, I love being able to I love seeing people getting baptized. I'm love. I love seeing people get victory. I love seeing people pray through, and I love seeing people have a new life and have you know good energy and just all at once these good people that I that I loved and still love. You know, we're having to get into a room and let every person there go and it was the most questionable time that I've ever had in the 25 years I've been alive, even for, even more than the bankruptcy. And as I was praying about this, and this is where I'm really diving into, you know, I, I I felt, you know, and I'm hoping, you know, I pray that the seed falls on good ground because I feel like there's going to be people listening to this podcast that are going through different trials, whether it might be, you feel like you're losing everything or, you know maybe you had a relationship that you were just really connected to and that had to fall through or you know you're questioning whether you need to go right left straight forward stay still and the scripture came to my mind and that was Isaiah 41 and that's where you know verse verse 10 is where I started and Isaiah 41 starts off saying keep silence before me o islands and let the people renew their strength let them come near, let then let them speak. Let us come near together to judgment. Who raised up the righteous man from the east, called him to his foot, gave him the nations before him and made him rule over kings? He gave them as a dust to his sword and as driven stubble to his bow. He pursued them and passed safely even by the way that he had not gone with his feet. What the Lord is telling what, what the Lord is saying in, the, in this passage is you know, who raised up the righteous man? Who did this? Who did that? You know, who called him to his foot? Who gave him, put the nations before him? Before him, And the Lord is coming and saying, I'm the one that did this. I did all these. I raise up kingdoms. I, you know, I pour out blessing. It's me. And he goes on saying, who hath wrought and done it, calling the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, the first and with the last, I am he. They helped, or let me back up, sorry. Uh, The isles saw it it and feared. The ends of the earth were afraid, drew near and came. They helped every one of his neighbor, and every one said to his brother, be of good courage. So in verse seven, it says, so the carpenter encouraged the goldsmith, and he that smootheth with the hammer, him that smote the anvil, saying, it is ready for the soldering. And he fastened it with nails that it should not be moved. You know, in these first seven verses, you know, the entire earth was in a trial. The entire earth was being shaken. The entire earth was seeing something that it's never really seen before. Um, I mean, in, in verse five, it says the Isle saw it. Um, it says the uh, the ends of the earth were afraid. And what, what it's saying, the whole earth is growing through something and everybody is, is worried and all the neighbors saying, be of good cheer. They're trying to lift each other up. But the Lord is saying, Who's the one that did this? Who's the one that lifts up kingdoms? Who's the one? And you know, we go through the same thing even today, to where our world our our world is shaken. You know, we go through trials that we we don't know the direction to go, and it and it obviously and and you know, being honest, it terrifies us. It makes us want to put our hand head in the sand and say, "I just give up." And you know. Verse 8, the scripture says, But thou, Israel, art my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, my friend. The Lord is coming and saying, you know, but you, he's he's talking to Israel, but he's saying, but you, my servant, who I have chosen, thou art my friend, "'Thou whom I have taken from the ends of the earth "'and called thee from the chief men thereof "'and said unto thee, "'Thou art my servant. "'I have chosen thee and not cast thee away.'" Going back to the scripture I started off with, "'Fear thou not, for I am with thee. "'Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. "'I will strengthen thee. "'Yea, I will help thee. "'Yea, I will uphold thee "'with the right hand of my righteousness. "'Behold, all they that were incensed against thee "'shall be ashamed and confounded.'" They shall be as nothing, and they that strive with thee shall perish. Verse 12 says, Thou shalt seek them, and shalt not find them, even them that contended with thee. They that war against thee shall be as nothing, and as a thing of naught. For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. Fear not, thou thou worm, Jacob, and ye men of Israel, I will help thee, saith the Lord, and thy redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. And I know this is a long passage, but it really ties in to, to what I felt, and it, it ties into what people deal with and having just a spirit of fear or and anxiety over, you know, there, there are certain situations and he goes on to say behold i will make thee a new sharp threshing instrument having teeth thou shalt thresh the mountains and beat them small and shalt make the hills as chaff thou shalt fan them and the wind shall carry them away and the whirlwind shall scatter them and thou shalt rejoice in the lord and shall glory in the holy one of israel he keeps on going on he's trying to he's comforting israel he's he's comforting them and he's saying you know you know you are my friend i've chosen you i've done this i've done that and it goes on in verse 27. He says, The first shall say to Zion, Behold, behold them, and I will give to Jerusalem one that bringeth good tidings. You know, as one is going through trials, as we, even what, you know, I personally sing right now, you're going to have people who mock, you're going to have people who scorn, you're going to have people who laugh. You know, it's funny to me how human nature loves to see people fail. Human nature loves to see, you know, things that other people have built collapse on them, and just for a moment of saying a few words. I said so, and you know, in the situ- you know, in, in certain situations, um, you know, you, you, people will even make up lies about what's going on and things that just aren't true, and and you know, it, it baffles me. And you know, as, as praying about, you know, about this, and you know, it. The Lord saying, I'm not done yet and going through what we're going through and praying, you know, is the, the Bible says, you know, to be of good cheer. You know, in verse 28 says, For I beheld, and there was no man even among them, and there was no counselor that when I asked of them could answer a word. You know, trying to seek out counsel, trying to seek out, you know, your friends, your family, and you just feel like you're in this, in this spot of just, There's nothing I can do anymore. I give up. And verse 29, which is the end of the chapter, says, "Behold, they are all vanity; their works are nothing. Their molten images are wind and confusion." And that hit me as I was reading that. You know, those that are going to mock, scorn, laugh, they're they're going to do everything they can to tear you down even more than you've already fallen. You know, the Bible says they are vanity talking about the people who who are mourning or scorning you know your situation it says they are vanity their works are nothing their molten images are wind and confusion meaning that you know the images that they have thrown out there and saying I said this would happen or look what happened are molt, are wind and confusion they just they blow away you know it, it, you know they don't make sense and what I really feel, And I, and as I was praying about, you know, all of this, you know, and I decided that I would tell my own testimony because I have personally dealt with, you know, people lying about things that have happened and people that, you know, they would laugh at me. They would laugh at my own family. They would laugh at my friends. And, you know, I told you guys this would happen or, you know, and I wouldn't want to be you guys and, you know, all of this and, um, you know, as I was praying praying about it, it it, it really hit me and the Holy Ghost, you know, telling me, you know, I'm not done yet. I wasn't done yet seven years ago whenever you guys went bankrupt. I wasn't done whenever you felt like your world was falling apart from this relationship. You know, I wasn't done, or yeah, I wasn't done yet whenever uh, whenever I, I put this together and I let this fall apart. And... You know, if I had to end this whole thing and I, I feel like, you know, me and me and myself, and this happens to me even even if I go out and preach, you know, I have this long, you know, long thing and I feel like going towards the end of it, I, I feel like, you know, man, I just I just said a bunch of words, I just talked and but I really feel like it's powerful telling the things that God has done in your life. And if I had to end this and I had in end, 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 end this words, you know, I would say that if anybody is going through a trial and you feel like, you know, you have no way out, you don't know which direction to go, you know, because I've been through it. I mean, yeah, I'm only 25, but I feel like I've gone through enough that I, I, I can, you know, I can look back and be like, God had me here and God's going to have me here. You know, and I, I just gotta keep going. I gotta keep praying. I gotta keep listening to the man of God in my life. You know, and a word of encouragement, God's always gonna bring you out. You know, I don't I don't know what your thoughts were when tornado came through and tore these buildings up. You know, God's gonna bring you out. God's gonna take care of it, God's gonna have revival, God's gonna bring, you know, if it was a business that fell apart, God's gonna put it back together. You know, if it was a if it was a relationship that fell apart. God's going to put it. It may not be that relationship, but God's going to put something back together. You know, if if you have to leave one business, to go to another one. God's going to make it work. And, you know, don't worry about the naysayers, the people out there that are just going to laugh at you, who's going to, you know, look at you and say, you know, I knew that wouldn't work or, you know, I, I knew this would happen. You should have listened to what I said. Don't worry about the naysayers. There's always going to be naysayers, there's always going to be mockers, there's always going to be, you know, people scorning you for decisions that you made. You know, just pray, read his word, follow the direction of your man of God. Because that's always, you know, and especially if there's young people that's going to be watching this, you know, if you're in church and you're young and you're young even old, but mainly to the young people. You know, if your man of God comes to you and says something that sounds ridiculous to you, don't even question it. Just do it. The Bible says that obedience is better than sacrifice. And everything even, you know, through my—I've been in church for 12 years roughly. You know, I, the number one thing I, I will always do and I've always, you know, done is listen to my man of God. And through times of trial, through times of heartache, through th- times of pain, through times of questions— you know, I've always been able to lean back. I've been able to text my man of God and say, "Pastor, I need direction." And sometimes he tells me stuff I don't want to hear, but I always listen to what he has to say, and it has it has well paid off. You know, for for what I've done, and so you know, if there's somebody that's listening to this, this is just really what I have to what I have to end with. I push my notes off to the side. You know, coming from a 25 year old young man. I don't have a lot, of, a lot of experience. I still, you know, I don't have a lot of wisdom. You know, I still lean on the wisdom of, of my elders. You know, but one thing that I can say is if somebody's going through a trial, they're going through a situation, I've been through enough in my life to realize that if you lean on God, He will always come through. If you go and you pray, we heard a fantastic message last night by Brother St. Clair. And if you if you go and you just, you know, you you start shouting out what you're needing, and you finally, it took Israel, what, what he said, 18 years for them to finally start praying and, you know, start wanting deliverance, like fully wanting deliverance, 18 years. And if you just seek the face of God and you, and, you know, you don't worry about anybody else and you do what it takes for you to get deliverance and you do what it takes for you to get the breakthrough that you need, and you're going through this trial just... Put your head down, keep going. Keep praying, keep studying, keep seeking your man of God, keep seeking for direction. The Bible says the word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. And if I had, you know, if I just all of this, you know, I'm praying it falls on it falls on good ground. If you are dealing with something, play this entire thing back again and start from the beginning and listen to a testimony from a 25-year-old. That wasn't raised in church, didn't know the truth, didn't know this Acts two thirty eight message, and go back and listen to it from the beginning. I don't care if it's bankruptcy, I don't care if it's a relationship issue, I don't care if it's a job. I've been through all of that. Go back and listen to this again, and let it build your build your faith that the Lord's got you and the Lord's going to take care of you. And that's that all. Everything I said that that's what I would want to. Thank you so much there, there, Brother Talley. Boy, hadn't
0: you been blessed today? I tell you, man, what a testimony, brother. We sure thank you today, and uh, we're going to go ahead and invite our pastor in, and he's going to sing a song, and it's called Worth. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you. You thought I
3: was worth saving. so you came and changed my life you thought i was worth keeping so you cleaned me up